Hello, and welcome to The Writing Forge, where we discuss tips and tricks for honing your writing. I'm Bonnie. I'm Miranda. And we're your hosts. Let's Let's get get into it. it. Hello, welcome to The Writing Forge. I'm Miranda, and I'm flying solo today. So uh, I hope you're all ready, because we're going to see how it goes. With me today is Steve Stratton. Welcome, Steve. Did I say that right? Absolutely. Sweet. Welcome, Steve. And today we're going to be talking about how to not get bogged down in details when it comes to world building. But before we get into that, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you come to the writing world? What is your writing journey? Inciting incident for my start in writing happened in 93. And, but I didn't feel like I knew how to write. I was out of the military in the industry uh, by that time, um, writing proposals, doing technical marketing, things like that for software. And uh, I just didn't think I knew how to write a book. And it took all the way until 2019 when my wife finally kicked me in the shins more than once (laughs) and said, just write. And that's what I started to do. And... um, then I started looking around, okay, how can I get resources? How can I find out to get better at this? Because I'm not writing a technical manual. I'm not writing uh, a marketing slick, that kind yeah. of thing, right? And, uh, com- you know, you still use good grammar in a present tense, but that's about it, you know? <laughs> and uh, so I was uh, lucky enough to find a, um, I call it internship with Jerry Jenkins, I, I live in Aurora, Colorado. He lives in the springs in a place called the Black Forest. And I was able to sign up and get into this six-month-long cohort with these other folks about writing. And, yeah, Jerry Jenkins did the Left Behind series, a bunch of other uh, faith-based uh, writing. He still does. And um, I thought, well, you know, he's got 21-time bestsellers, you know, yeah. I think – Maybe I can learn something here. He might know a thing or two. <laughs> he might know a thing or two. And uh, we started getting into it. And I thought it was a really good day when he would edit my work and I would only lose 20% of it. Hey. <laughs> and uh, so I did that. I continued to improve. I started looking around for other courses, resources, absorbing. I, I love to learn, so I was absorbing everything I can, I could at the time, and uh, uh, joined ITW. Um, went to a couple of Rocky Mountain Thriller Writers Conference, a conference, Northern Colorado, you know, in a conference. I was just go, doing everything I could to learn all I could about writing and the thriller genre and what they expected, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I was waking up 4.30 every morning. I still had my full-time job and uh, was start writing at 5 and would write till about 8 because mm. everybody else was on the West Coast. I mean the East Coast, I'm sorry. So okay. two hours in front of me. So um, got the book done, started doing the whole query process, that kind of thing, and came across a um, publisher out of Detroit called Force Poseidon that works with veterans. Sent my book over and got an offer. And uh, before that, I had actually connected um, – Somebody had told somebody else had told me, connect, connect into the community, get yourself a community, right, mm-hmm. of people that you can talk to, get advice from. And one of the most gracious 
folks was Jeff Wilson of Andrews and Wilson. And they've got several different series, of course. And, and, uh, he gave me this advice. It's like, you can, you can wait for big traditional publishing to see the value of your book, or you can take other routes. You can self-publish or you can go small press and, uh, you know, there's options, mm-hmm. value to both of those or all those options. And um, so I decided to go with the small press to get an idea of what it was like. And so I got a, uh, I got a deal uh, for three books. It's like more like a one book deal with two options, you know, writer, first yeah. writer refusal. And in the meantime, I still kept going and looking for different ways to uh, learn more about writing, critique group, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So my first book came out in June. My second one is with the uh, editor at this point. Thank you. Thank you. I've got the third one done, and I'm writing. (laughs) When I get into writing, I love it. I just get lost in writing. But uh, so I'm actually working on the fourth book now in the series, the Shadow Tears series. That's great. So it's been a, a very fun and exciting journey. It's even better now that I'm fully retired. I retired at the end of June. So I don't have to wake up exactly at 4.30 anymore and rush to, rush to write. Every person that I've heard that's retired has been so happy about that. <laughs> it's finally break time. Well, I think getting lost in your writing is a super great way for us to get into our topic today, which is world building and how not to get bogged down. Because I am a fantasy writer instead of a sci-fi writer, but I totally understand about like you have to create all of these details and you have to like set everything up and you're building whole worlds and languages or whatever your flavor of world building is from the ground up. And so how important is getting the details of your world building right? And then how do you find the balance between giving those details and allowing the story to move on? First, let me say how amazed I am that fantasy sci-fi writers do this. They have to build a whole world, then put a story into it, yes. right? And so it's, it's amazing to me because I get to use the real world. Um, but uh, I, think it's, I think it's really important because, as I've been told, everything in your book should m- move the story forward, Right, and align or give some value. It's Sorry. Okay. Sorry, give some value to this to the to the story. Yeah, so I am I am very um, humbled by the folks that can do that and, and the kind of writing that you do because you are set. You have to set the scene. Versus, say, I'm in Cleveland. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that uh, with world building and or with in my type of writing and thriller writing where we're setting a scene and or um, talking about some technology that we're going to use in some mm-hmm. way is the, the big thing is like, like our topic, yeah. not to get bogged down in it. I, I am, I'm a technologist. You know, I started off in radios, got into computers, was in cybersecurity, and I love technology. I love guns, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And uh, when I go back and to do my all writing is rewriting kind of editing, it's when I see and when I start talking through what I've written that I've it can it, you can bog yourself down or go off on a tangent yeah. describing this beautiful place, right? And it's beautiful and it seems lovely. It's great writing, but it's not adding to your story. And you know, oftentimes. Um, almost like with pacing, that will 
slow your story down or might take the reader out while they go, wow, wouldn't that be great? And you've lost them in your story. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that everything we do makes the story move forward. But as we're adding that color, the flavor, the five senses around the story, we're doing it in, in little ways that lets the reader do the building or the imagination for us. We don't have to uh, word, word dump, for example, word dump on the, on the screen. Yeah, definitely. Is I'm trying to – is there anything that you find that helps you kind of like in your own writing process find where that is starting to happen? Because I know for me – uh, if I'm going back and rereading my work before I like submit a chapter to my writing group or something, uh, I I can find that like counting how many paragraphs of just text that I've had in a row without like any dialogue or any sort of plot movement going forward. Like if if I'm starting to get like four or five or six or something like that and it's starting to get ridiculous and I haven't had any kind of interaction, I know like that's a little bit of a flag. Or if I'm starting to confuse myself, I don't know if that's ever happened to you. But I know I've personally had like trying to, you know, explain this little bit of magic and then I go back and I reread what I wrote and I'm like, God, that doesn't even make sense to me. Like I know what I meant, but that's not what's on the page. And so do you have any like hallmarks like that that help uh, – like help let you know when to dial it back a little bit or are there any tips and tricks that you have for doing it yourself or is it just like give it to your writers group and have people go okay bored now um need to get the story moving again well i do i i don't think i cheat but i use a software product that helps me understand that we'll do a pacing kind of search on on what i've put into the product And so, yeah, if I see something going over 10% slow pacing, things like that, I start to look. But also, I have literally written, because I will, I'm a a heavy outliner, Mm. but then I tend to pants in In between, in the chapters and stuff. And, And several times I've just taken, I didn't realize it, but I'm writing and I'm excited about what I'm writing and I get done and I'm like, uh, cut that out and put it in the save for later folder because I've just taken a left. And um, so being able to recognize that, mm-hmm. that and, uh, and thinking, you know, it's, it's, it's been part of my journey has been like training my brain to think about these things that are automatic for the, the good writers, people who, who can write where they, they don't have to think, am I, am I making sure this propels a story forward or is this just, you know, is my, uh, are my readers interested in these technical bits, mm. right? Uh, I don't want to become a Tom Clancy where I've got 32 pages on a torpedo, you know, like Hunt for Red October or something crazy. Yeah. Um, so I, I use all those techniques. I use my writer's group. I use the software. And then, Can I ask what the software is real quick? Sure. I use Pro Writing Aid. Pro Writing Aid. All right. Right. We'll have a link yeah. for that in the description, guys. <laughs> I'll take care of you since Bonnie's not here. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, I'm lucky enough that in my writing group, I've got uh, several writers who, um, are, um, not only agented, but have, uh, books out and like multiple books. And so they, they, and, and actually being in the group, I, I look at what they write and then I go, I'm seeing something here. And then I go back and check my work mm-hmm. and I oftentimes see it, you know, see it in myself. It's like, it, it's sort of strange that I, 
I see it first in somebody else's writing that come back, but it works. And so that's that's an important way to get to it also. I almost feel like it's easier to be objective about someone else's work. Like not objective as in like it's my baby and my baby is perfect kind of way, but objective in a um, like I don't know what's happening. And so because I don't know what's supposed to happen, I'm better able to see what is actually happening versus my own work where it's like, I know where this is going. Totally. Like, it makes total sense to me. Yeah. What do you mean it doesn't make sense to you? And then my editor sent me an email going, what, what's this mean? Where, what happened? Yeah, it, uh, it's almost like being a kid and feeling it's better. It's easier to mow somebody else's lawn than your own. So Definitely. Um, so how do you decide which details are needed in a story versus which details are needed for you as the author versus which details aren't needed at all? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, I have – in my first novel, I leaned a little bit heavier on technology, mm-hmm. but um, having read – some of the um, the writers that I appreciate, like Andrews and Wilson and Brad Taylor and Ward Larson and some other folks, I could see that that technology is interesting can can add a neat twist, but mm-hmm. they're they're using it as a amplifier, not as a as a crutch. And so, uh, when I think about uh, details that are needed, I, I think about how does it set the scene, mm-hmm. right? Uh, for this chapter, and you know, do I have it at the beginning, in the middle of the chapter, or, or closing out the chapter? Um, and does it does it leave a question, something that'll make people think, and or think that they might want to go to the next chapter? So I'm always focused on that. Um, the uh, I have to be careful personally with military tech and mm-hmm. my using. You know, we love acronyms. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every time I, I, I come from a Navy family, even though I was in the Army, I uh, have to worry about you know, the acronyms and starting oh, yeah. to get into shorthand. The alphabet soup. It, <laughs> right. But even even within that, we have this shorthands for being in the Army. We have a certain shorthand versus the Marines. And I have to be careful about that um, because there's plenty of folks who read my books that weren't in the military. I got to make sure I explain things without, once again, getting into the fact that it's a Chinese PLA army unit, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, but yet um, still leave enough tension there so that way they understand what it is and how it's important to the story. Yeah, so when it comes to scientific jargon, mm-hmm. you know, there's, uh, you know, you could be saying something like MERS, SARS, RSV, COVID, those kind of things. It mm-hmm. might be something people are used to, but oftentimes they're not. And you're, you're you know, I've... Uh, written one of the three books I've, I've written so far, um, included quite a bit of scientific jargon and um, uh, me making up a whole new process and things oh, yeah. that, thank God, haven't happened yet. But um, so I had, I, I wrote, I just write, then I go back and go, okay, how can I make this? So my wife, who's a real estate business owner and a chef, can understand this versus somebody who might be in that space. So mm-hmm. um, scientific jargon is... is um, well, and that's so hard, too, because you don't want to talk 
down to the reader, but you also don't want to go above their head either. But also if an expert is reading your book, you want to basically prove that you know what you're doing, but you can't go so far as to lose the readers. And so that's that's a tough thing to juggle. Absolutely. The other um, part, like world geography, I love places. Mm. I've traveled a lot in my life, and, and uh, so I love places and to throw in a detail or two or something so that if somebody is reading who's been to Copenhagen, you know, they know where the Little Mermaid is, for example, statue, those kind of things. Um, we get, of course, in my genre, military thrillers, we get people who will be very specific and correct you quickly if you don't have the pistol or the rifle right, those kind of things. Mm. But I tend to follow uh, uh, some guidance that Brad Taylor taught, and that is say it once and then just call it a pistol or rifle later. Yeah. You don't have to keep restating that it's an XYZ, XYZ, every paragraph, right? Mm. I think I saw an interview with uh, David Baldacci once, and he was talking about, uh, I think there was a nuclear bomb in his thriller, and he pulled out this binder that was just massive. Like, it was at least a three-inch three-ring binder, if not bigger. Um, and it was like, this is all the research that I did on nuclear whatever. And he's like, and here's how much made it into my book. And it was like a paragraph of this guy talking with an expert over the phone. And the expert was basically like, well, I could go into details, but all you need to know is cut the green wire. <laughs> like, that's, that's absolutely right. And so true in, in, with military jargon. Um, I, I write in, in one book. You know, um, from the viewpoint of a um, military naval commander, mm. and there's some things going on with Russian subs and all kinds of fun stuff. But I keep it high level, like you're you're watching it, versus all the technical things I know would go on in that command center. Yeah, because it once again, it's not those elements are interesting maybe to some people, but they're not moving the story forward, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I I am a research junkie. I love going deep and finding things and um, popping some of those things into the book in some way um, and uh, doing that in my current writing. Definitely. And I think that's a good yardstick to measure by is, is it moving the story forward or is it proving expertise, but proving expertise in a good way um, as to keep details in there? Because... Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely really easy to get lost in the weeds, I think, because um, I know for on the world building side of things like, oh, but you don't understand. I made the city over here and it's so cool and it's run by this weird like merchant. They don't care. They don't know if we don't even visit it. Like why? Like, no, it's cool that you made it. But also, like, we're not going there. So it doesn't <laughs> need to be there. Um, yeah. So do you have any practical tips for balancing detail with story? Is it all just moving the story forward? Or is it like in, in thoughts, in dialogue, in exposition? Like obviously there's pacing, obviously there's stuff like that. But do you have any like tips that you use for making sure that that remains a little more balanced and or is it mainly rewriting? Like, <laughs> <laughs> write it the way you want first and then go back and change it? Or is there stuff that you use while you're writing? Yeah, so with I have 
not binders of research, but I have probably megabytes of research, you know, <laughs> on my computer. And uh, it, it tends to really come out that um, it is the little bits. And besides moving the story forward, I think some sometimes the, the world building, if done right, or the technology can be used for tension. Mm. So, for example, in what I'm writing now for Shadow Tier 4, I just say that Ellie, my protagonist's yeah. wife, they're a team, they're gone into Cuba. I just say, you know, that the fact that the Chinese are here scares me. Mm. And let the, just the reader uh, consume or, or come up with the idea that it's there are capabilities. Right? Yes. Um, you know, I might say something about electronic intelligence or something somewhere else, but I really like it as as, as a way to use, uh, create tension mm. and that a, a threat, for example, that they might have to face. And um, the balancing of of detail, I think it really comes down to anything else. Like like we get taught about, you know, um, the background on our protagonist, for example, mm. that. Don't dump it all out in the first three paragraphs. Definitely. You know? Yeah. Uh, you need to give us some sense of what life was like before, mm-hmm. but, you know, spread it around. Keep the story going. And I think um, my first book, a lot of people said they couldn't put it down. And I did write in shorter chapters, but it's the dialogue and it's going back and forth and getting, getting what our protagonist and antagonist are thinking out of mm-hmm. their head on the page so the readers can understand the conflict that's that's more important than than at, on a, at a percentage level more important than the world building or the jargon that kind of thing yeah do you ever have like an expert come in so that way you can get a lot of jargon out of the way cuz there's i i feel like with technology specifically or with like very Technical details, like even if it is magic, a lot of times you're explaining how magic works. Or if it's sci-fi, you're explaining how the fictional science elements work. Or you're explaining how physics works, once again, for the rocket ship launches and stuff like that. Um, So do you... Do you find that bringing in an expert gives you like a little bit of leeway? Like they are allowed to then jargon dump to the protagonist um, in a way that's more... I'm trying to think of the word not tolerable, not consumable, not, (laughs) it's something along those lines, uh, in a way that's easier to digest, I guess. Yeah. So in my, in my books, um, for my Shadow Tear series, Lance is a geek and nerd (laughs) and he'll admit it. And, um, he loves technology, but he's going, reaching out and talking to people, um, in, in thrillers, it's easy to have uh, my type of thriller. It's easy to have a scientific advisor, or, mm. you know, somebody named Larry Quinn who gets called Q, you yes, know, double of course. of course, of course. Yeah. I, we got to have Q. And I wrote that in the book too, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, those kind of things, right? Because you can't be an expert in everything. And, and I mean, I like writing real people who struggle don't know everything. That's much more interesting than than 007 to me in Superhuman. But even 007 has has Q. Has Q, yeah. Yeah, um, for some of the more fun technology stuff. So I, 
I like that. It, um, but I also do that. I also do that in my community. So my community, being ex-military, includes fighter pilots, naval commanders, other people I can send something to. Mm. And I've I've met people at different conferences and things like that, or somebody who's into medical devices. You know, things like that, especially if I've got an idea. So this last Rocky Mountain uh, Fiction Writers Conference I went to, I had four different specific things I was looking for, and I looked for people that knew about that so that I could bring them into my circle. I could share my military expertise with them, and they could help me stay on the beam. And once again, yeah. Now, experts are always great to have for reference points and are very kind to read all of our writing. Um, I'm trying to think of other things that I use as well to try and uh, balance detail and story. I find like a lot of people call it the iceberg method. Um, And I don't know if you do this too, but I'll do like kind of like the princess diaries of like, let me explain. No, that's too much. Let me sum up (laughs) to kind of skip over quite a bit and just get to the bottom line. Uh, but I also think it really depends on your genre as to how tolerant your readers will be about that. Because I assume writing military thrillers, like your readers want to see that you know how procedure works, how the chain of command works, how the weapons work. Um, mm-hmm. Out of curiosity, what era do you write in? <laughs> or is it kind of all over? Well, uh, my first book is in 1998. Okay. So I did spend time rewriting, going back, going, oh, we didn't have that pistol then. Oh, that radio didn't exist, you know, and and going back in time. Yeah. So that um, my books are um, about my protagonist and his fight with the Sinaloa drug cartel. And and El Chapo, our good friend over in the Florence, uh, Colorado Supermax here. And so I started in 98 to give me runway before we actually captured him mm. to write a series. And so the uh, reason now I'm up to 2010 in the fourth book. But, uh, um, yeah, having to uh, – I, I hadn't thought about that extra dimension of getting those things right for that era, mm. you know, because uh, it's much easier just to, to write now in yes. the day now. Or, but that was before good cell phones. That was before, like – solid satellite phones. I remember uh, my father was stationed overseas and like trying to get a call out there was crazy. Like, and you had to like go through the line and you had to like. Oh yeah. 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 So. Yeah. That was just on the edge of uh, really start to get digital, mm-hmm. you know, and. Uh, right before the millennium. The millennium. Yeah. Whenever the, <laughs> when, when everything was going to burn to the ground in 1999. So. Oh, man. I didn't even think. Does the millennium play like a part in your story for 98? I guess they weren't quite worried about it yet, but it would have been the next year. So. The second book I wrote, um, 2001, played a role. Um, but then we decided that need to be the third book. So okay. I, I jumped from 98 to like 2003 in, in books. Um, and even then, I still have to, because I'm a technologist in cybersecurity, I have to be careful about what I say. Not from I'm going to give away secrets. It's because it, we it didn't know. It changed so rapidly. And we didn't know that then. Yeah. 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 We didn't know that technique or that you could 
hide code this way, things like that. So um, I'm, I'm being in the fourth book in near 2010, only 12 years back. I'm, I'm much happier than I was at 98 going, wait a minute, hold on. Um, so uh, yeah, those kind of things are important because there will be people with the Google going, nope, that Nokia phone <laughs> didn't exist, you know? Neil couldn't have done that back then, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but then, you know, and, and being in the real world, I, I, there are times that I wish I had the flexibility to say, no, we're on a, a blue, blue gas giant planet with this type <laughs> of species, you know, and yeah. deal with it. This is who we are. So. <laughs> Let me m- wave my magic wand and just say, yes, this is the way it is because I said it was. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Come, welcome to my world. That is, that is something that I do enjoy about fantasy I, I tell people that I write fantasy because I didn't feel like going to school for sci-fi uh, <laughs> or doing military service to write military sci-fi or thrillers yeah I think um, nowadays you can I think once again because readers love a good story conflict protagonist antagonist kind of thing I think um, I don't think it takes military service to write military or law enforcement kinds of things. Mm. You know, Brad Thor's had a couple of bestsellers, couple, and, uh, <laughs> you know, he wasn't in the service. He mm. wasn't in the Secret Service. Lions of Lucerne is about Secret Service. Yeah. It's a direct knockoff of when we used to take President Ford to Vail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, so. <laughs> no, it's uh, like you definitely don't have to be uh, – a part of whatever you're writing about, but I feel like it helps quite a bit. So like it helps make all of that knowledge more instinctual because the couple of times that I've tried to write something contemporary, but out of, but about a specific field, like the amount of research that I have to do to try and get it right is nuts. Um, and so, yeah. Well, kudos to you. You're, you're self-aware enough that you know you have to do that because there's plenty of people that will just write and might have a good story and just have details everywhere that aren't, you know, relevant or yeah, on point, end point. So, yeah. And I think that definitely comes back to, like, your audience and how tolerant they are of that. Because I know there's some people who don't care how it works. They just want to see an action scene. It doesn't matter that it wasn't, you know, physically capable. Like, like there's no way that that would have been able to work. Fast and the Furious is a great <laughs> is a great genre for that. Like, we just want to see cars launched. We don't care that it's out of a missile or or a helicopter or whatever's happened in the latest movie. Um, yeah. I think the um, important thing, once again, is that as much fun as it can be, make sure that it 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 adds to your story. It doesn't take your reader out. Stop makes, stop them from reading and go look it up because it seems odd, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I like to get the details right, um, even if I might just mention them once. Not It's not for kudos as much as making sure that if I'm going to use it as a device that I get it close enough that the reader is not going to go, well, yeah. no, wait a minute. That Hold on. <laughs> you know, that car was made in Japan, not not in Detroit or something yeah. like as simple as that. And uh, that, that can get off. Oftentimes that can get overlooked. Yeah. Um, you know, story is king and immersion is king. Well, 
thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. Definitely. We're always happy to talk about this. I love world building. And yeah, the details are fun, but it's good to make sure that we know where we're going with them and how relevant they are. Question for our readers this week. What detail weren't you able to include in your book, but you really wanted to? We want to hear those. Share those at our social medias listed down below. Stay sharp, my friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Writing Forge, a Writing Heights podcast brought to you by Nagano Press. To learn more about The Writing Forge, check out our social links in the episode description. Subscribe to The Writing Forge wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review. For more informational writing content, be sure to become a Writing Heights member.